Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. This one is one of my favorites. Get ready for Lex Borrero. He's a Miami music legend and he manages songwriters and producers. You may have heard of Jay-Z, Beyonce, Cardi B, and many more. Now, he was an executive at Jay-Z's Rock Nation label, but is now launching Neon 16, which we will talk about. It's, it's a talent incubator whose motto is, get this, fear nothing, impact everything. I love that one. That could just as easily be the motto for this show too. So we had to talk to him and find out what he knows. This guy is extremely inspirational. You've got to listen to some of his stories. Just just listen into this one. Welcome back to Brilliant Thoughts. I'm your host, Tristan Almada, and I've got an awesome guest for you today, Lex Borrero. Is that how you say it officially? You got it right. <laughs> I love it, man. That's fair. Most people don't get it right. I love it. All right. So you're from Miami, man. It's like, that is like the most happening place right now in the United States. It's, it's insanity there. How do you like it? Good. You know, I, uh, I grew up here. Uh, so, and then I kind of traveled all over and moved around. So coming back home over the past three years has been really interesting to see the city have its moment, especially, uh, you know, obviously during COVID and after COVID, it seems like it's the, it's the new Mecca of industry. So it's very interesting to what's happening here overall and, and excited to see how it grows and where it develops and what kind of opportunities it brings up for all kinds of businesses. Yeah, man. A lot of companies, a lot of money is going into Florida, specifically Miami, which is amazing to see. So let's talk about two companies here, both of them yours, Neon 16 and Entertain with an N. Tell me about that and where did it all start? Because you have some good history. Well, you know, I um, I spent the majority of my career on the Anglo side of the music business. And, you know, through it all, I got an opportunity to work across, I want to say, every aspect of the music industry. And so uh, essentially, I came to Miami uh, in, in what I thought was going to be a semi-retirement moment of enjoying my family life and, you know, watching the beautiful ocean and the palm trees and as life would have it, I, uh, you know, I ended up meeting Tiny, who became, was my neighbor, um, which, you know, is, that's how life works. Dude, and for those of, those people who don't know who Tiny is, can you tell us? Well, Tiny, you know, is now the number one producer on Billboard 86 weeks in a row. Um, you know, he's pretty much one of the most prolific music creators in the world and, and someone who's been making, you know, hit records since he was 16 years old. So having a, having someone like him and also at, at the right timing of where we met and when, how we met, because he was, he was at a down point in his career. And, um, and we happen to have a lot of the same interests in, in, in fashion and in, in arts and culture. And so it just became a real easy friendship to build. And, and we started really, you know, just hanging out, and from that process, as we started to really work, we decided to launch this company called Neon 16, which the 16 is a, is a 
key number for me just because it was the year that uh, the ages that I started in the music business. Uh, it's also I've always been a huge fan of Rockefeller as a businessman because uh, out of all the titans of, of, of industry of that time, it was the one that had, you know, some moral system, had a good structure, understood it. He was just smarter than everyone else and became this titan. But, um, you know, September 1st, 1916 was the year Rockefeller became the world's first billionaire. So the number 16 and, and the, my first company was named, was called 1916. So it was just a consistent number. Tiny also started famously being shouted out by artists with the notion that he was a 16 year old producer uh, driving a Mercedes Benz. Um, and so the 16 was really a key number for us. And then Neon came um, because we started the company while we were on vacation in Tokyo. And we have a real respect for Japanese culture, a real respect for the concept of, of you know, lights and neon. And we, we, I like the concept of a neon light and lighting of the world and the kind of energy that a neon like this. So it just happened to come together as Neon 16 and um, was started originally as what was going to be a production company to surround Tiny with great producers that it grew into a you know successful record label. It grew into a cultural brand beyond the success of our artists. And then it really has now become the, uh, you know, most innovative company in, in the business because we really have focused our our whole uh, concept as a business to be the flag that represents what Latin culture means uh, in the world and what's happening overall with Latin music. Uh, and we attach that to brands, we attach that to our concept of, of doing events, to our the, the aesthetic that we use with our artists and, and with everything that we do, in, in, as you can tell in the office, with art and concept of, of, of culture. And, uh, and then Entertain, you know, funny enough, was a company that I started and, and I, um, I created the name and, and, and you know, trademarked the name about 15 years ago before there was any streamers and people were talking about streaming. And we really, me and, and my partner, um, our creative director, we really felt like the world was going to move to streaming. And so we started this company. We created this whole business plan in our one room apartment that we both lived in. And we started to develop this. And, you know, due to the success we started having the music industry, we never really focused on it. So... 15 years later, after quarantine, after being a part of launching Range Media Partners, which became, you know, the the, the premier uh, management company in Hollywood and being attached to people, Shelley and everything that we're doing, it felt like the right time to bring the name back and create a company that um, was a multifaceted film and television studio. And, and so entertain in, in its core uh, it's not just a, a company, it's, it's really the same concept we built with Neon, which is we wanted to be the brand that represented exceptional Latin talent and stories, both in premier content and digital content. And so, you know, we, we kicked that off top of the year as a fully funded studio. And now we have multiple shows in production and we really have now engaged it to be the business that, that we dreamed of making 15 years ago. So between Neon and Entertain and, and everything else, the goal is to really build the, the most powerful multimedia brand. And I say brand because it's not about a company, it's really the DNA of building something that that stands for uh, for something very important for us. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that's the goal, that's where we are, that's what we've been building over the last couple of, of uh, years, which has only really been two years as of June um, so we're really excited with the growth it's had, excited with the success that we've been able to have 
And um, and I think, again, we, we've gotten into the rhythm of, uh, like I say, the boxing rhythm of being able to t- throw the right combinations of success, of, of you know, telling our story and telling um, our vision of both companies. So really happy where we're at. You know, I love that. There are a lot of questions that that are coming up in my mind from that that thing that you just said. That was beautiful, by the way. Timing. You you mentioned that at the time you thought you were going to come down to Miami and just be like, you know what? It's chill time. I'm not going to do very much. And then you end up meeting Tiny, who's your neighbor, right? How important, because remember, we're talking to entrepreneurs, solopreneurs here. How important do you think timing is and, and how much of that happens through opportunities like these that you don't even know? I mean, I think timing is, is it's everything, but I think most importantly is understanding the opportunity, right? I, every every success I've had in, in my career has been because I've been able to identify the opportunity, which was really, you know, I could have just made a friendship with Tiny and we could have just been neighbors and that would have been it. But the, the, the growth of Neon happened because I identified that there was this opportunity in the Latin market where there was no brand that was culturally representing what was happening. Everybody was focused on building the artists, touring and very close-minded, which, you know, it's something traditional in the Latin music business. Mm-hmm. So to be able to bring that, and I saw, you know, coming before that, working at Rock Nation and throughout the years, seeing these American cultural brands that have identified what urban culture was and utilized that to monetize the culture I, I understood that there was nothing like that in the Latin business. There literally wasn't one label that was so, something that people wanted to wear on their chests, on their hats. There was no, there was no yeah. brand that, you know, when you speak to whether it's, you know, the Bacardi's, the Xbox, the NFL's, everybody's looking mm-hmm. for a Latin um, cultural agency. There was no one representing this market and saying, I know how to speak to the people. And so when I identified the opportunity, then I, I was able to utilize the timing and the relationship with Tiny and, and our, our and our synergy together to create a plan that would essentially build what we've built now. And so I think more important than timing is, is really identifying the opportunity so you understand how to build and how to utilize the assets around you to, to take advantage of the opportunity. And therefore, you know, timing becomes an important part of that, but it really, the timing, you make it as soon as you understand the opportunity. I love that, man. That's really good. Really well said. So then what, what drives you, Lex? What, why create all of these amazing things? What's the, what's the reasoning behind it? You know, I, I, I have this saying, which is business without purpose is meaningless. And, and I really feel like our purpose as as, as humans is really to impact and create change in others. And so I look at the ecosystem of business very much like nature. So I think of myself as, uh, you know, a, a tool in what the greater ecosystem is. And so if I see the opportunity, I want to engage in that opportunity because I know my impact through that opportunity will shift the way the overall business has. And, and it has, you know, as we've grown our businesses and broken down doors, we've opened this new world of opportunity not only for our clients and, and our partners, but for other companies and, and people to look and say, okay, you know what? I could do something different. You know what? I, I, I don't have, uh, I don't have to do everything the traditional way that it was being done for many years. And I don't have to oblige by the rules of, of the old music business or the old entertainment Latin business. 
um, you know, with these insane contracts and these things. And that's really, to me, what it is, is when, when I do something, being able to show that we can be successful with a level of integrity, with the level of purpose, with the level of messaging that we carry as a business and as, as humans, as people, um, that drives me. You know, it, I, I think the opportunity to shift and change and impact is, is everything to me, because honestly, I'm a big believer that there's there's no limitations. So the 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 ability to break boundaries to me is exciting. I always tell people I, I live I live my life on the edge of the mountain, you know, and that's where I'm comfortable in. That's that's the part that makes me excited to, to come to work every day and do what I do. How did you how do you get there? Because the people that are listening in, they're like, that's cool. I mean, it's an amazing thing that you live there. But how how did you get there mentally? Because I'm assuming it, there were a lot of trials. There were a lot of challenges and you, you we're, we're all human. We share the same emotions, right? Happiness, fear, sadness, right? How did you break through all of that and get to where you are mentally? You know, I, I, I was actually just sharing this with, with a friend of mine yesterday. And I think is I've, I've learned to become obsessive about the things that I do. And the reason for that is because I'm a believer that, you know, the, the, the greatest enemy we have as humans is the word enough, right? Living life saying something is enough um, limits the level of opportunity and the level of options that you have. And so, you know, when you look at, say, a wall in your house and you look at the wall and maybe you painted it one gray and you position a frame in it, you say, cool, I like this. I, I look at, at that same wall and I'm like, what if it would have been a lighter gray? What if it's black? What if it's blue? What if I move this frame lower and brighter? And I obsess about that process of identifying the many options of it. And it allows me to then, you know, go through so many options that I expand my level of understanding of the design in order to become successful at it because I'm choosing from many options. And, and so most people, again, they go to their job and, I say this all the time, like they'll walk by their, uh, you know, their workplace and maybe there's some trash on the floor and they look at them and they're like, I didn't throw it there. Somebody else could pick it up. That's that concept of enough. Or, you know, they look at their job and their boss tells them, hey, this is what you have to do. This is your responsibility. They do that responsibility at 5 p.m. to check out and it's enough. Um, so I got there from a young age by really saying nothing is really enough. Like I, I saw Michael Jackson. I saw Michael Jordan, who I, I was super inspired by. And I understood that it was not enough. They were practicing, they were dancing, they were pushing the limits of what was being done. Their level of creativity and obsession with their craft allowed them to say, you know what? It's not enough to just be a regular basketball player. I want to be the best. And I want to lead that. And, and so many people in their teams, you know, became millionaires or entered the Hall of Fame of basketball because Michael Jordan took them to six championships. And so I think the first key is just mentally positioning yourself to not limit what you can do and, and taking the word enough out of it. Um, I, I think that that's the best way to uh, get to a point where you can centralize your emotions to say, you know, I can do more and there's something else to be done. And then as you start going through that process, because like you're, like you said, I mean, I've had many failures. I've had many hardships. I've, I've, I've slept in the streets of New York and I've, you know, slept in the best hotels in the world. And both worlds teach you that, you know, life is life, regardless of who you are, it's going to shake, it's going to move you. But you start understanding that your 
level of understanding of the opportunities, the level of not being comfortable with just doing enough also starts showing you that you can be confident because no matter the circumstance, you're going to get through it and you're going to move forward. And as you build that confidence, you start having that Michael Jordan, that Kobe Bryant, that Tom Brady, that Lewis Hamilton. Like there's a reason these guys are the goats of their, their sports because their mentality is different. The way they process the problem is different because they're confident in their ability to deliver fourth quarter and get you to the Super Bowl. And I think that that's, that's, that comes from, from that, from not, not being complacent with, with the moment that you're in and, and not utilizing enough as an excuse for your daily life. Dude, that was so well said. I like that. All right. So you just kind of went back to the very beginning when I asked you about tiny. Uh, and I think what you said, I'm going to just reiterate it here in a summary. We've got to be, we've got to mentally position ourselves to identify the opportunities. And I think that's where a lot of us just continually miss it, right? It's like when we were kids, I don't know about you, but every time I passed by like my shirt that I left on the floor and my mom would be like, why do you not pick up the shirt every time? It's right there, right? So I grew up in a, in a my mom's Mexican, so I grew up in a Latin and then she'd pick up the chancla and throw it at me, right? I don't know about you, but that's what yeah, happened to me. Too. <laughs> I got so. a couple of bumps in the back of my head from my mom's chancla. For sure. <laughs> there you go, there you go. So, all right, so... Tell me, you've met some, and you're probably friends with some of the most uh, recognized personalities on, on television, on the radio, on everywhere. And with with the people that you've connected with, what would you say it has been, it could be a few things, it could be one thing, but the secret to connecting with them so that they can trust you, so that they know that you're going to be able to help them get to where they want to get to. What do you think that is? I think that the, the first thing is they, they're understanding that I don't see limitations, right? And that I, through my work and through the way that I carry myself, through the way that I execute, they, they have a clear understanding that, you know, my level of, mentally challenging problems and, and mentally dealing with situations. Uh, it's at a point where at the end of the day, I'm a problem solver, right? I solve problems every day, but I'm also pushing and breaking the barriers every day. And that that's created not only with the clients and the, and the, you know, executives like Tommy who, who have done it all and, and are you know, pretty much like, he's like a father figure to me. Um, that connection comes from that respect of understanding that, Hey, this person has something that is groundbreaking and, and that ability to continue to challenge that it's, is, is gotten those relations. And I also see it with the way we build our brand. I think artists that are not signed to us come to our events or, you know, are proud of Neon because mm. they understand the same thing. They know that when Neon does an event, when Neon does anything it's an experience it's a moment it's an elevation it's never something simple and so i've had many artists that come to us after we've done an event say can you manage us or you know or the moment that we send something you start creating that that gut feeling is that is that brand gut feeling that we talk about all the time that it's like there's a reason why you most people who wear a rolex have no understanding of the of the motion and the intricacy of the operations of a rolex 
But you put a Rolex on and all of a sudden you feel more expensive. You feel more accomplished. You feel more like you belong. And that's just a feeling yeah. that the company has given you by creating that model throughout the years. And so um, I think we carry that through the DNA of Neon and Entertain and we carry that through the DNA of, you know, me personally. But it comes from that. It comes from, again, breaking the barriers of, of enough and showing people that we can do something better than everyone else. I like that. So I believe that from everybody that we've talked to here at Success and, and all the other successful people out there, there's there's always an opportunity that somebody gives you or that, that you were able to see, like you say, right, that you can build on. If you could go back to say, you know what, that was that, was that one opportunity or that moment that really allowed for everything else to build on top of it. What was that and when was it? I, think, I mean, I've had a few, but I would say the one that was the most impactful was really when an extremely wealthy person um, <clears throat> happened to walk into a studio I was in and shared with me this vision that she had of building this company. And she had no idea how to build a music business company or, or, or create anything in entertainment. And, you know, I, I was maybe 24 years old. Um, had never written a business plan. You know, I'm a college dropout. I don't, I don't have any formal education in business, but I had a real understanding of, of common sense and how to <laughs> together. And so her ability to share that dream with me and, and me to understand how to connect the dots and create the first steps led me to um, her introducing me to a company called Abbott Downing, which is kind of the upper echelon of wealth management for Wells Fargo. And in doing so, you know, I got to sit on this board and present this idea I had for this company, which I made up in a one-page business plan. Because <laughs> again, I had never wow. planned. And, and I left out of that board meeting with a million dollar investment into creating this company. And so that process changed my life because working hand in hand with the, with the board at, at Abbott Downing, who was, you know, they represent some of the wealthiest people in America and some of the biggest family trusts. And, and it really taught me about finance. It taught me about how to building a company, how to create reports and how to, you know, get financial reports to uh, to a board and, and understand how to get to the ROI. And it really taught me a lot of the business lingo and, and understanding of finances that I use every day now in, in my business. But that I would say was the groundbreaking moment because it allowed me to acquire through the success of having investment at that level to acquire a level of success and, and wealth that, that I think I wouldn't have accomplished uh, any other way. So um, I would say that was a breaking moment. But again, it was one of those to, to the conversation earlier. It was seeing the opportunity, taking someone's dream and just being able to, to understand the first three moves. And I always tell people, I'm not the best manager for every artist. I'm the best manager for the artist. I see the vision. And when I see it clearly, I'm the best. When I can connect the dots in my head for the first three moves, I am the best at it. But there's artists that I just don't see it. There's businesses that get presented to me where I just don't understand how to add the value to it. So I might not be the best. And I've passed on opportunities that, you know, been very successful artists or producers or businesses, but, but they were just not the right businesses because I didn't see the vision. Do you still have those relationships that you built off of that one meeting? Did they grow yeah. into other things? Yeah, yeah, I still have it and, you know, across the board with all of them. And 
And we were able to turn the, the many investments that we made through that period of time into very successful businesses and, and entities. And so that's another thing that I'm really proud of, you know, that, that I was able to take this moment of inexperience, uh, again, of walking in with a business plan and just being so good at selling it that they gave it to me and actually being able to come back and say, hey, listen, we, we 7x that initial investment. Wow. That's amazing, you know, especially to some people who had no understanding of the music business and were pro- definitely looking at me like this guy's going to lose our money. But <laughs> it's what it is, you know, it's like, who is this guy? What year was that? Oh, man. I mean, almost 10 years ago, if not. All right. 10, so so Google was around. Google yeah. was around. I, I want to know, like, when when this person said, OK, I've got you a seat at the table to do the presentation. What went through your mind and what type of research did you do on Google? Cause I would have been like, Oh my gosh, let's like, Google's my best friend now. Well, the funny thing is, I mean, a lot of things happened in that first day, right? Starting with the fact that when we landed, me and my partner landed at the airport, um, we went to the mall of America's cause you know, I have it down in his base in Minnesota. So we went to mall of America's. We were so impressed. And um, you know, this, this, this person, this lady picks us up. And as we are walking to the parking garage, there's like a Mercedes S500. And then there's like this beat down for Explorer. So essentially, you know, I know who she is. She's a, again, an extremely wealthy, recognizable person in America. So I figured that she's driving the Mercedes. I went to open the Mercedes and she's like, no, 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 it's the Ford Explorer. And <laughs> <laughs> we were so embarrassed, right? Cause she- Lesson number one. She <laughs> fell down to earth. She's such, you know, like money doesn't define her. As a matter of fact, she, all she does is charity. And then when we got to the first meeting, I had, I remember I had never walked into a boardroom where they had like the electric blinds that would close right behind, you know, to private the room. And I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. That's and awesome. You know, this board with, you know, I, I would say every person there was at least 60 years old, extremely, you know, wealthy and the representative. They're the board of trustees. Right. So you can imagine what, what that board and the level of experience. And at first we just started talking about, you know, intellectual property and publishing and, and how it, it related to real estate, and which was something I had learned from really studying that part. And then they're like, great, well, tomorrow we'll have a bigger meeting. You need to present something. And so I went to the hotel that night, literally one page business plan, went on Google and just researched like, how does publishing really make money? You know, how do you generate that? How long does it take to collect the money? and put it together in this plan with no numbers. It was really a plan of ideas uh, with an understanding of where we were using the money, but no understanding of how we would get to an ROI. And um, and essentially we sold it and here we are <laughs> 10 years later. Dude, I, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned on that. And the one thing that that's standing out over everything else was that the people, the people really were sold on you which, I mean, look at our whole conversation, right? That, that really is it. Like if I'm sitting down, you're, you're selling me on you. And I think that can apply to everybody listening in. Like the fact that, the fact that you had the confidence to, to make those people around you feel like you are a safe investment along with your idea, that's key, right? For sure. For sure. I think it's, it's, it's definitely been the key to my success is my ability to vocalize and, and, and express the emotion of trust as well as 
also, you know, have a real realistic understanding of what I'm pitching based on the on the opportunity. You know, I, I, I feel like a lot of people um, don't go into a meeting understanding of the other person's needs, right? You go into a negotiation saying, well, I need $10 million and you're not understanding why that person would even want to give you $10 million. And I think for me, to my point, I knew that these people on this board were never going to understand the concept of a music business because it's untangible. Like it's, it's nobody can tell you a hit song, you know what I mean? It's opinion based, but they, they would understand real estate and they would understand intellectual property and they would understand that concept very clear because it's an investment most wealthy people are involved in. And so you know, that in relating this to real estate, allow them to truly understand, okay, I can put my brain around how real estate would work. I can put my brain around how intellectual property would work and, and bring it in. But it was, it was understanding that as well, as well as not coming in there and say, give me $10 million. I want to do this, but say, here's a, a balanced plan that would allow me to financially be a part of this project, but will also, you know, have, have a, a real growth and, and and not show that I'm just money hungry to get this investment and take the money and goodbye, which is what people relate when they, they meet with someone that wants a music business related investment. And so to your point, my ability to convey the opportunity and, and, and once I see it, be able to sell that based on the understanding of what the person's needs is, I think is definitely a huge key to my success. Dude, I love that. And for those people listening in, I think just taking taking a step back and realizing that you can do the same thing, just correlate it to what people would understand, right? Just like just like you're saying, dude, that makes a lot of sense. And I don't think we do that enough because we don't ever take the time, like you said, to step back and say, well, how can I help them in a way that they understand it, right? Usually sure. it's like, well, let me just help them because I can help them. Right. And there's never a connection. So I love that, man. So tell me a little bit more about range media partners, because you did bring them up at the beginning. And, and I, I want to know more. So range media partners has become Hollywood's premier management company. Uh, it's an idea that started from Pete Michelli, who was, you know, a very accomplished TV agent and then CEO of uh, E1 prior to sale to Hasbro. And him and Tommy Mottola, myself, you know, a great group of, of agents, um, you know, again, following his vision of this, of creating a, a top tier management company that really understood how to utilize talent, its influence to build businesses beyond just the, the, the work of the actor, the work of the director, you know, and in doing so, you know, essentially over the past, I want to say 12 months, um, we've been able to sign some of the biggest actors in the world. So from Tom Hardy to, uh, you know, Vince Vaughn to Michael Bay to Emilia Clarke, uh, Benicio Del Toro. Um, Damn. The list goes on. And, and as part of that, built this company, Range Music, um, which now represents Mariah Carey and Nicole Schutzinger and a bunch of other incredible artists. And so... Being able to be a part of that, being able to have in conversations with with people like like Pete, who are experts in their field, who have an understanding, has been incredible for me because again, I've learned the opportunity of what Hollywood has to offer and how we can utilize that to really build this overall brand of what we're doing in, in, in Latin music and Latin media. 
Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's, it's been great. And, and for it to happen during quarantine, I think quarantine was a very special time for us as a business, thankfully, because it allowed us to really focus our attention in, in building the business in a way that we don't have the daily pressure we have now, right? Like, I think one of the things about entertainment is that between the travel, the amount of things going on, the amount of meetings, you didn't have the space, the mental space to be obsessive about a few things. And so uh, in quarantine, between building range, entertain, and really having a breaking point with, with Neon, um, it allowed us to be here today. Yeah, I like that. It kind of made things slow down and focus on the things that were most important, right? For sure, for sure. And, and again, I think success also comes from having the mental space to obsess about things. <laughs> you have to be obsessive, you know, and, and I, I mean, obviously I mentioned all the athletes, but you can go into the business world as well. Like none of the of the business uh, magazines of today or even Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs was obsessive about what he did. And and that, you know, it's, it's a character trait, but it's that obsession is what makes all the difference because it, it, again, back to your, to why I work at being able to sell something to someone is because I understand all the options and I've really haven't just looked at, I want gray on a wall and that's what I want. Like I look at every option on that, on that wall. Um, and even in my office, it's so funny because I'll be in the middle of the marketing meeting with my team and I'll start moving some of my decorations just because I happen to rethink where I want to put it. And I do that all the time. I'm so obsessive about everything having its place in this moment. And I'll look at it. And, and it's it's funny because my partner who's been with me since the beginning, you know, he, he always tells me like, uh, you know, when, when I hang a frame, I, I always have an extra nail ready to move it because I know you might. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually funny, man. I like that. All right, so you've worked with some pretty amazing people. You just dropped some cool names there that everybody recognizes. From the people that you've been able to work with on a peer-to-peer level, like a little bit more intimate, who have you looked at and said, who's the first person that comes to mind and said, wow, you know what? This person does really well because they have this specific talent, right? What, what stood out about this person and who was it? I would say... I mean, I would say that that I've seen that the most in Tommy Mottola, right? I, I think, um, you know, I can mention a couple artists that I think have, have very specific traits and have been successful, but uh, it's been very key for someone like Tommy to be successful at so many different businesses beyond and to have built what he did with Sony when he was the head. And, and it's really, I, I learned a few things from him that I think are incredible. One was he really figured out how to, give people that he brought into his the company or his leadership squad the opportunity to be great right he didn't stand there where he really wanted to be great and and second he he's really great at understanding the connectivity between people and his business right and how that relates to each other and and, and you know let's say in the point of range like understanding, okay, Pete, you have a vision. I know how to take that vision and connect it to this and this and this and this person. And so he's he's been able to do that really well throughout his life because he people respect him because of all the people that have worked for him have this great admiration for him because he pushed them really hard to do incredible things, but he let them be great. You know, he really allowed them to do what they do best and didn't get in the way. And so 
that part of it, I think, has been really key. And then another one would I would say is Jay Balvin, who um, has continuously been a dreamer. He's someone that you know spends his day and night thinking of what what's something no one else has done, and I want that. And essentially, you know, he was doing everything that all the rest of the new Latin artists are doing, and, and they're showing success. He's been doing it for the past 10 years when being a Latin urban artist wasn't cool. You know, he was on the covers of fashion magazines and investing in going to Paris Fashion Week and doing these things that now seem normal for every other artist. But at the time, he was the only one doing it. Um, and it's because his ability to really, you know, dream beyond what's possible. And that has really allowed him to be very successful. So I, I feel like I've taken those two things and I use that every single day of, of my ability to push people to be great and allow them to be great in their, in what they do. And then second, you know, consistently dream bigger um, than the possibilities around me. Well, I think dreaming bigger, that last one, first of all, dude, if you're listening in and you don't know who those people are, just Google them right now. <laughs> That's yeah. You'll be like, Oh, wow. And just the ability to dream bigger. I think you start looking at things in the way you were telling me at the beginning, which is now you're looking at it with a possible opportunity and you're understanding, hey, there's, there's something else here, right? And that sometimes we never get there because we don't allow ourselves to dream bigger, yeah. right? And that's, that's important. How, how often do you come across people who, who, you, who you're going to help out with their brand, right? And you're like, man, this person isn't thinking big enough. Does that happen? Consistently, consistently. Really? Think, even even with, because you're helping out some pretty big names, even with people that know they have talent, you still come across that? Consistently. Because there's people that get uh, get satisfied with with enough. Mm -hmm. And and that you, I meet executives, I meet, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've worked with brands who hire these creative agencies to handle the campaign we're doing with them. And I've sat with these creative agencies who their job is to be a creative agency. And I literally sit there and just, I'm lost for words. I'm like, well, how do you have this job? Like, you know, how do you, <laughs> you can do, how do you find, you don't find, you know, solutions to the problem. But you say, okay, we can't do that. Let's move on to another idea. And I'm like, no, 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 this idea is great. Let's go do it. And so I always tell um, I was just sharing this with one of the brands we work with, and I, I always tell them this. I'm like, you have to think of Neon as an idea incubator. The crazier your idea, the better we're going to work together because our ability is the understanding of taking that idea that seems crazy and adding elements to make it happen. So every time that someone tells me something is not doable, it's just inspiration for me to tell you that it is doable and I'm going to figure it out. And so that's one, that's the only rule I have with my staff and the team here, which is like, don't tell me no. Because the problem is I will figure it out, you know? And then I'm gonna be upset that you tell me no. Go figure it out, Josh. Mm. Go figure out, go push yourself to that edge of the mountain to where it's like life or death, you might trip or fall, but in that moment you feel alive. That's where you need to live as an entrepreneur. Like that's where the juice is at, you know? That's where the risk is at. That's why you see, again, Steve Jobs getting fired from Apple and doing all these different things, but he wouldn't have been who he is. And we wouldn't all be using Apple products if Steve Jobs wouldn't be sitting on that edge. You know, everything, Amazon, every single company. I mean, uh, Elon Musk, 
he lives on that edge and he understands that like Richard Bronson, like it's just, the list goes on. Every great executive and athlete and every successful person that, and I'm not just talking about someone who's mildly successful. I'm talking about successful people who are impactful in the world and who create things we all talk about for years are the ones that live in that edge. Rockefeller, he lived on that edge. It was just their ability to think beyond everyone else's and really like embody that movement, embody that understanding of that information and break through. And so I think that that's, that's the key, but I deal with that on a daily basis. You, you can't imagine. And, and the amount of times that I deal with people who, who limit themselves. And so therefore they protect that limitation and their fear with ego is, <laughs> uh, you know, five times a day. Dude. That's a good sentence. I'm going to rewind that and listen to that part again. Thanks, man. I like that. How do you find talent? Because you're telling me you surround yourself with people that can do awesome things for you, but where do you go and find them? And how do you make sure that they are in fact talent? Um, you know, I don't know if I have one way to find talent. I, I, I think I, I take a lot of meetings that a lot of people in my position probably would never take. I, I, I'm thrilled about the human relation and human connection and the moment of thought of how people think and how they relate to them. So I find myself doing a lot of networking, doing a lot of connection. I, I, I really like meeting people, you know, and I like really building real relationships with people. And that allows me to, um, to do something which is, you know, character over talent, right? I think talent alone or the ability to do something really great is, is cool, but there's all, if you don't have the right character traits, if you don't have the right mindset, you can easily throw away your talent. There's, you know, how many talented people we all know and we all read about that were, they could have been, you know, they could have been yeah. the next burden, but they weren't. They could have been the next Tom Brady, but they weren't. They could have been the next Steve Jobs, but they weren't. So I, I really spend time before I hire someone, before I sign somebody, getting to know the way they think. And I test that, you know, you know how many times I've gone with a potential client to a restaurant and I've complained about an order. I've had the, the waiter bring the wrong order to see how this person deals with that emotional issue of like the moment, you know, um, it's important. How many times I've had uncomfortable conversations with, with potential hires just to see how they deal with it, you know, and, and how they really uh, negotiate against what I tell them is a no, you know? And, and so it's really interesting to see when you're trying to hire an executive and they're asking for something and I'll be like, no, sorry, that's not doable for our business. I, I, I need this, this, this. I just want to know if they even are willing to challenge that, if they understand the opportunity that it is to work at the company and the, and the moment of elevation for their career, or are they looking at just money and self preservation. And so all those things I look for because I'm, I could be the CEO of this company, but if I see a piece of trash outside, I'm picking the trash up, you know, I yes. take the trash out. I, I, I don't look at it like that. I, I can't tell you how many frames in our office, you know, I paid a company to do it, but I'm here and I'm like, ah, I'm going to just go hang it myself. Like that, <laughs> that happens, you know, I'll be here and I, I'll move a chair in an office and I'll do things like it's, it's what makes me happy, you know, and it's, it's what, to me is real leadership is, is, is that moment of serving and the well-being of everyone, not just my financial well-being. So I, I, I look at a lot of that by really spending time with people. 
I love that. And where did you learn that that thing you said about messing up their order and watching how people respond? Where did you first learn that from? You know, I, I took that from, um, you know, I grew up in a very spiritual home. Like my, my family is half, half Jewish, half Christian, and my dad uh, became a Buddhist. <laughs> and so as part of that, you know, when I was a young kid and I, um, I really, I was in a troubled path, you could say, my mom sent me over to my father's farm in Colombia. And my father, he, he has this business called Shikubo. And the concept of the business is a form of obstacle courses that teach you how to work hand in hand with your teammate, right? And so he has many obstacle courses in, in, in the farm and companies send, send him the troubled teams, right? Whether it's like IBM, or there's a consulate, whatever it is that you have. And so when I went there, you know, think of a 16 year old, not even 15 year old rebellion kid who thought he owned the world because I'm from America and screw everybody. <laughs> and they get to his farm and, you know, I spoke to him in a bad way. And my dad said, ah, oh, you, you think you're going to speak to me like that? No problem. Go to the top of the mountain where we have that little house and you're going to sleep there tonight. And so my dad's farm is in Bogota, which is a highly elevated city. And I mean, I was I, I had a full asthma attack up there. I was like having a hard time breathing. I was struggling, but I was so set on my ways of not letting him win. So I was going to sleep there that night. But I had such a horrible night that I felt like I was going to die. But the next morning I went down and I told my dad, I'm like, I need you to let me sleep in the house. I'm probably gonna die. <laughs> he goes, no, you know what? You disrespected my house and you're not going to sleep in the house. Here's a tent. Fine. You don't want to make it there. Go to the bottom of the property by the road, set your tent and go. And so, you know, me with my ego, I went and set my tent and I stood in that part and, you know, I see the other kids from the other farms like laughing because I'm sleeping in this thing, but I held on like three days and finally it broke me. And I went home and my dad said, what did you learn? And I said, nothing, that you're a bad dad. <laughs> I said, no, son, let me teach you in life. You can't leave, you can't live in the peaks and you can't live in the downs. Learn to control your emotion and be centered. Nothing should get you so excited that your emotion is completely driven and nothing should get you so low that your emotion is completely depleted from you. If you find a center point and you understand how to target your life and not let life take you through the roller coaster, you will live a more complete, fulfilled life. And so that moment, which took me years to really understand what that lesson was, taught me how to have emotional stability beyond issues and problems. Mm -hmm. and, and that essentially created that moment where, you know, I'm able to, to your point of the waiter, I'm able to see and test people's emotional stability and, and how they would handle things to also understand their weaknesses, which we all have them. But as a yeah. leader, it's important to know the weakness of your team because you have to be able to speak to each of them in a very different way. You have to be able to relate to them in a very different way. And you have to be able to help them in a very different way. And I always tell, every time I hire someone, I say, the goal of your time working for me should be that at the end, you're either so incredibly great that I have to pay you whatever you want and give you the position you dreamed of, or I have to have said that a company comes and steals you. But if we don't get there, that means either I failed you or you failed me. Because that's the ultimate development of leadership, right? So you're, you're, 
your employees, your team should become the creme de la creme of what they do. And to do that, you need to understand their weaknesses and you need to understand how to develop each of them in a very different way because we're all very different and we all have very different weaknesses and strengths. And if you're, if you don't have the ability to see that in your team, you'll never be a good leader. Oh man, that's, that's awesomely said. It reminds me of a book and I'll probably send it to you. So I'm not going to ruin it. Uh, We'll talk right after we're done. But if people want to find you and follow you on social media, where do they go? My name, everything's at Lex Borrero um, across all platforms. And so that's the easiest way. And I'm, I'm reachable. You know, I, I answer to everyone. I'm, I, I like to read people's comments and, and when they share their dreams, I, I, I appreciate that. And I, I've been in that position. So I try to, to the best of my ability, answer everyone. I love that. Thanks, man. So I'm going to follow you, follow you on Instagram and Facebook and, and everywhere else. Now I'm going to be keeping an eye on everything that you're doing. Very thank inspirational. You. So thank you for being on. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Man. I really appreciate it. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.